A blessed morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, on site and online. The Lord be with you. And also with you. So, let me begin. How many of us heard my sermon on Father's Day three Sundays ago? May I see your hand if you were here on Father's Day? Great. Can anyone tell me the title of that sermon? Someone? Is God your father? Correct? Is God your father? This was the pertinent question I asked you in my last sermon. In fact, we are reminded that God becomes our father when we believe and receive his son Jesus into our heart. And our father's love beckons us to draw near to him every day. And so if God is your father, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are his beloved child. Because he loves you very much and he forgives your sins unconditionally. Even before I begin, God has already answered our unison prayer through the psalmist in Psalm 69, particularly for those of us who are worn out. And he's already saying to us, to you, to you, to you, to you, you are my beloved child. And so let us therefore appropriate our true identity in Christ by declaring to ourselves, I am God's beloved child. Now say with me, I am God's beloved child. God's beloved child. Yes, indeed, we are God's beloved child. We can love and embrace God as our Father by loving His Son. How have you been loving Jesus even as you love the Son? Is God your Father? Then how have you been loving Jesus even as you love the Father? One of the expressions of our love for Jesus is to speak about Him whenever the opportunity presents itself. Therefore, today, I shall seize the opportunity to speak on two aspects of Jesus that are, pertaining, that are pertinent to the infant and child baptism during our 5 p.m. service. They are the Lord's tender heart for children and His baptism at the River Jordan. And so we rejoice as a congregation the parents will be bringing their infants and children for baptism today. They have taken this step of obedience to dedicate their children to God through the sacrament of baptism. And so let me get into the first aspect of Jesus I want to talk about today. And what's that? The clue is given on the screen, isn't it? Jesus saw spot for children. Through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we discover Jesus always showed this tender side to the children. He was gentle, kind, welcoming always, and never too busy to embrace the little ones. He was, yes, little ones. <laughs> yes, our little ones is here. He was also deeply passionate about protecting them. Clarence Herbert Woolston 
was a pastor who beautifully captured the heart of Jesus for children in a hymn he wrote in the late 1800s. His lyrics were subsequently set to music to the tune of a song sung by soldiers during the American Civil War. And within a few years of the hymn's publication, only the chorus remained as its tune was simple and catchy. And most of us will know it as it is a familiar tune in Sunday school. Yeah, can you guess what this popular children's song is? I'm sure you can because you heard us practicing, right? For those of us who are early, bonus, huh? Let me sing to you. Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. Jesus loved the little children of the world. And this chorus has been changed numerous times over the years. For instance, a second stanza was added to capture the truth that Jesus died not just for adults, you and I, but also for the little one we heard just now. Yeah, for the little ones in our midst. Jesus died for all the children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. Jesus died for all the children in the world. Isn't it so? To keep up with the times, the Baptist hymnal make yet another change to the archaic phrase for skin colors to capture the truth that God's grace is for everyone. Every color, every race, all are covered by His grace. Jesus loved the little children of the world. The hymn writer, Reverend Wilson, was ordained when he was 24, and he served the Baptist congregation for 47 years, with a letter 40 years at the East Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wilson died at 71 after celebrating his 40th anniversary with the church. His obituary in the local newspaper highlighted another talent of the late Reverend Wilson. Guess what is it? He was also a skillful magician who used magic in his sermon illustration to address over a million children. And his extensive ministry to children as a pastor magician undoubtedly led to his composition of the famous Sunday school song. As it was first published as a hymn, do you know it has three stanzas? And what we usually sing, what you just heard, is only the chorus. How many of us know that? How many of us know that? Surprise, surprise, surprise. I was completely surprised myself when I stumbled upon the three stanzas for the first time. Can I have the slides again? While doing research for the sermon. It never crossed my mind that this popular Sunday school is so rich with meaning. Stanza 1 expands, expands the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 19 verse 14. Let the children come to me. Stanza 2 recalls the image of Jesus as the good shepherd who protects the sheep found in John 10 verse 11 based on Psalm 23. And stanza 3 gives the image of a soldier, which may have been the reference to the original Civil War song from which the tune was set to. And so let me now with pleasure yeah, invite two of our beloved choir members and musicians 
Lehon, Daniel, and Joash to minister to us through this hymn. And for some of us, this is the first time. And I pray that God will open our hearts and minds to let the to the Lord's heartbeat for all His children, uh, just not little one, uh, you and I, His children, both grown-ups and you. Nehun Daniel and Joash, over to you. The Lord bless you. of Jesus with his children. And let us now come to scripture. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, 
Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God indeed. This simple story shows without a doubt that Jesus loved children very much. He even took them in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. However, there is more to this story. Verse 14 in Mark 10 clearly showed that Jesus was indignant or greatly displeased with his disciples. Why was the Lord furious with the disciples for rebuking the parents and their children? Why? If you refer to a chapter before this, we will know that Jesus has spoken about the value of a childlike faith to his disciples. Whoever receives one child like this, in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him, our Father, who sends me. In Matthew 18.10, in the same context, Jesus also said, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Obviously, Jesus wanted all the beloved children of God to come to him and experience his Father's love. But his disciples focused on controlling the number of people crowding around him, were oblivious to his heartbeat, and did exactly the opposite. If you were Jesus, would you be furious? Well, they had good intentions to protect their master, but they were hindering the children from experiencing the kingdom of God. And so let us have a pause and, and ponder a moment. What are the actions we do with good intentions, but maybe potential stumbling blocks for others, especially the children and our loved ones? What are the things we can do for God's beloved children that will draw them to the King? How are we living our lives so that others, others, the children of God, especially the younger ones, will learn to live their lives for Christ too? And so let me share three practical ways to reach out to others and God's beloved children for Jesus. One, listen to them without judgment. Every day when you interact your, with people, especially your children, maybe you hear endless complaints or requests. For example, I hate school, it's so boring. It is always tests or exams. I'm so anxious all the time. Why do you come home so late every day? Why do you spend all your time in the office? And to apply point one, by listening without judgment, ask this person, yeah, it's probably your child, to expand on what exactly is so boring about school. Perhaps you will find out there is an overly strict educator or classmate who is making him unhappy about going to school. To the child who complains about exams, could it be she's feeling the weight of expectations that are hard to achieve? Yeah, some of our, 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 our children have committed suicide. Because of the pressure of exam. And thank and praise God that your child complains about not being able to see you. 
she misses you and wishes to spend more time with you. And if we listen without judgment and ask questions, gently, the children will feel safe and secure enough to share their true feelings with us. Yeah, there's a, always, there's a little child in all of us. It's the same. Their meaningful conversations can result and fruitful interactions with them will draw both generations closer and closer to God. Two, teach them through role modeling. Proverbs 22, 6 in their Passion Translation says, Dedicate your children to God and point them in a way that they should go and the values they learn from you will be with them for life. There's a popular saying which, which, which goes like this, values are caught, not taught. Isn't it true? The young people live with us and see our true self. How we exemplify God in our daily actions will demonstrate and direct the person in the way they would journey in life. If you agree with me, can I hear an amen? Dorothy Law Noti, an American writer and family counsellor, wrote an inspirational poem entitled, Children Learn What They Live. Let me share the abridged version of this poem. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with acceptance, they learn to find love. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and others. If I may add, if God's beloved children, you and I and our little ones live with biblical values, they learn to be godly and God-fearing all the days of their lives. Amen. Three, be there for them at all times. A wise older man once told a pastor, Waste time with the people you love. You didn't hear it wrong, huh? Waste time <laughs> with the people you love. And one of the common regrets amongst parents, including myself, is that we allow the demands of life to rob us of quantity and quality time with our children when they need us most. For many people, the growing up years with our kids coincide with the time we are building our careers. I can understand. We can understand. Many parents, I would confess, I was one of them, was so bent on bringing home the bacon that we forget, we forgot why and for whom we were doing it. Of course, for me, it is only on hindsight. Now that I am in my silver years, in case you do not know, <laughs> that I can see what I have missed. But friends, all is not lost because it is never too late to redeem the lost time. You just have to start now, today. And through prayers, perseverance, and patience, the unison prayer was lovely. Our Father who is always with us will work a divine connection between you and your loved ones. Amen. Amen. My wife and I just spent two weeks in Sydney with our older daughter and her husband. And I thank, and I thank our pastor in charge for letting me go for so long. And I thank my fellow pastors who have to carry my responsibility when I'm away with my family. You know, I was actually quite happy to be there because I could work on this sermon during that time. 
as you can see, I even had the warm company of my feline work buddy. Time, time if you are watching. <laughs> because my daughter and my son-in-law goes to work. In the evenings when work was done, we got together for meals, played board games, and spent the weekends going to church and went on road trips. We also have a younger daughter and her husband in Singapore. For them and their cute furball, Hoji. Hi, Hoji, if you're watching. Hoji Cha, by the way. For them, you know, for, for them, we maintain a weekly dinner date on my day off. Some of you would already find out when is my day off. Friends, you know, I'm catching up lost time. Time is running out for me in that sense. We make it our priority to make time to keep in touch with our adult children and keep abreast with what is happening in their lives. Can you move the slides, please? Yes, that's my family. Earlier, I also mentioned spending quality time with our families. While dining in a restaurant last week, my family sat beside another family with two small kids. The dad and children were all watching shows on their handphones while the mom ate silently. No one spoke throughout the meal. And so friends, being present in the body but absent in the spirit is not spending quality time together. In his book, My Father's Son, Pastor Wayne Alcon shared a light-hearted story of a man who travelled extensively for many years to present his well-packaged talk entitled Ten Commandments for Parents. Large crowds would gather to hear him eloquently expound the skills necessary to successfully raise well-balanced kids. Eventually, the man fell in love and got married. When his first child came along, the title of his, of his talk was changed to A Few Suggestions for Parents. Rumour has it that after welcoming his third child, he never spoke on parenting again. Yes, friends, parenting is a thankless job. Most parents will remember the first time you held your baby in your arms. I remember the first time my elder daughter came out of the mother. It feels, the feeling was like my baptism. The feeling. And so you marvel at the miracle of birth and thank God for this gift. And so whether you have one or more, parenting is not an easy journey. For most of us, it is one filled with both joys and sorrows and heartwarming moments that also come with valleys of disappointments. Do we, wish, do, do we not wish each child comes with a manual on how to tackle difficult moments? How many of you wish that? You know, when the child was born. And even if you have 10 kids, all 10 will have varied personalities and characters and require different ways of dealing with situations. The hard reality is that our children are exposed to this sinful world and will grow up with reasoning and mindsets that war against the godly nature. They may live a lifestyle you and I do not approve of, or expect, 
or our dreams and wishes for them may be cast aside or abandoned. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? Can you feel me? I can feel you. God is near. And that's why, that's why, friends, listen. We need to hear the words of Jesus again and again in verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's for you. It's not for the little children. It's for you. Of course, Jesus may be giving us parenting advice as well. You know, most of us do have good intentions to raise our children God's way. How, of, how many of you among do not have good intentions? I don't think so. All of us have good intentions. But like the foolish disciples, we might be doing it our way and not his way. Isn't it true? According to a Bible commentator, to receive the kingdom of God means to be God's willing subject, gladly embracing the radical values which Jesus has come to inculcate. In other words, Jesus expects us to do things His way, not ours, and His life and His style at times appears to be counter-cultural. But Jesus said, Enter through the gate because the white gate and broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So few even find it. Scary, isn't it? When we do not follow Jesus closely, I really mean closely, we may even lose our own way. The message translation of verse 15 says, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you will never get in, no matter how hard you try. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child. And so friends, we need a childlike faith. I need a childlike faith to trust Jesus, to guide and lead us, especially in raising our children. You know, there was a game I used to play with my beloved daughters when they were little. I made a deal with them that whenever they shouted, Daddy, watch out! Oh, I almost, the memory almost come back to me. Every time I said, Daddy, watch out. Every time my children say, Daddy, watch out! I would surely be there to catch them. And of course, my aim was to boost their confidence at the swimming pool when they were learning to swim. Yeah, I'm not so spiritual at that time. <laughs> okay, I was being very practical. And my wife used to call me the minister of fun because I taught our daughters to swim, rollerblade, and cycle. Anything that was fun to do. So my kids, and so, so my kids would stood, my kids stood at the edge of the pool and shouted, Daddy, watch out! And then they would just jump in without any hesitation because they knew that Daddy was waiting there to catch them. And so this became a game for us everywhere, at home, in the playground, jumping from a high chair or from the slide. And then when they wanted their daddy's attention, guess what they say? Yeah. Daddy, watch out! <laughs> and surely, surely, the daddy who loves them so much will be there for them. Similarly, friends, our daddy in heaven 
promise to be there for us always. Not my word. You look to scripture, you will, you will know. It's not my word, it's our daddy's, our heavenly daddy's word. That he will be there for us always when we call out to him. We just have to trust him like a child, fully expecting our father to catch us when we take the plunge into his loving arms. During the child and infant baptism service in the evening, 5pm service, the parents of the children to be baptized in my heart would also be shouting, Daddy, watch out to God on their children's behalf who are also God's children, by the way. And in a childlike manner, we can trust our father to catch the kids until they are grown up and learn to call out on their own to their father in heaven. And this is you and I, our responsibilities, so that they could cry out, shout out to the heavenly father on their own. And so the parents who are going to be baptized their children this evening, wow, they are really wise. You know, I jump with rejoicing because they have made a critically important decision to dedicate their children to God through the baptism service. In this way, they have also obeyed Jesus' instructions in Mark chapter 10, verse 14 and 15 to let the children come to me and in childlike faith, trust God to receive them into His kingdom and be blessed by Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. At the infant and child baptism, the parents dedicate their children to God and pledge to be held accountable by God and the church to raise their children the way of Jesus until they can decide for themselves to accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord. The baptism is also an outward sign that the child belongs to the church of God with the seal of the Holy Holy Spirit's work within the child. And so what does the infant and child baptism mean for you and I in the Wesley family of God? As a church, we are responsible to provide a safe, nurturing and spiritually healthy environment for our children, whether they are our own or not. This will be a place where they they are kept for and given the space to develop and flourish into faithful disciples of Jesus. And I see some Sunday school teachers here applaud you. But friends, it's not just for our Sunday school teacher hall. It's not for all of us, but if you have free, if you, you, please think about joining our Sunday school as volunteers to help out. But it's for you and I, this congregation. And the child baptism reminds us that, our responsibility. Spiritually, we can also proclaim by faith with Christ-like confidence to the powers and principalities and through the rulers of the darkness of this world that our children belong to God and without our Father's permission, no forces of evil, including Satan himself, can touch our children or thwart his plan for them. Can I hear an amen? You know, our life is against powers and principalities. And hallelujah. At the baptism of Jesus recorded for us in all the four Gospels, God our Father did something precious and life-changing to Jesus. We gave Him strength and resolve to fulfill God's will unreservedly. And so let us turn to Mark's Gospel to find out what our Father did 2,000 years ago. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And so our father prepared Jesus for his very challenging ministry ahead after his baptism by affirming his true identity, audibly saying, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And visually, some of us are visual people, so God knows. Visually, with the Holy Spirit descending on him, as witnessed by John the Baptist. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God, the beloved whom our Father was well pleased and very proud of. Amen. This knowledge of his true identity kept Jesus going in his ministry, especially when the people, including his disciples, maybe even you now, made life very difficult for him to the point of nailing him on the cross to die a slow and cruel death. In fact, knowing he was the beloved son of the living God kept Jesus from falling into sin when he was tempted by Satan for 40 days in the wilderness. It also sustained him through the ups and downs in his early life, through the praise and blame, the admiration and condemnation, the approvals and accusations. Yet Jesus, our Savior and King, was sinless despite being rejected and abused by the people. And when things get really rough for Jesus just before his, earth or his life on earth ended abruptly, he had another affirmation of his true identity by his father. And the story was told that Jesus took his disciples, Peter, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And then you see, Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with our Lord. Then the cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so the story called the transfiguration of Jesus, like the baptism of Jesus, is recorded in all the three synoptic gospels. And so friends, a little bit of Bible study for us. When the story happens in all the gospels, it is a reminder that there is a significant lesson. God wants us to pay careful attention, learn from it, and live it out. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Said our father to Peter, James, and John after the transfiguration of Jesus. And so, here God is not only affirming Jesus' true identity to encourage them, but also saying something very precious to His disciples then and now. You and I. Especially those, you know, when you were praying the unison prayer, it was so real to, it was so real to you because you are almost at the brink of giving up. And here there is a personal message for you and I. What is Jesus saying to you? Listen to Him. Uh, That's our Father telling us today. Listen to Him. 
So what is Jesus saying to you? As I ponder upon what is Jesus saying to all of us, to Scripture, I believe this is what Jesus is saying to us. My beloved, you bring me great joy. I am very proud of you. Your children are mine too. So no matter how difficult life may be for you right now, do not give up. Press on. And be sure of this, huh? be sure of this. If Jesus were to speak like me, I am with you always, even to the end of each. Have you heard the voice of our Lord Jesus? And so let me end, okay, let me end by saying this. Huh? When the going gets tough, the tough, beloved children of God surely can get going. Why? Why? Because our true identity is in Christ Jesus. He loves us for who we are rather than what we can do for Him and for His children. And above all else, God our Father continue to affirm our true identity in Christ and call out to us, you and I. Turn to your neighbor and say, you. Now our Father is calling out to you and I. Today, every day, and what is he saying? Please leave the slides on. Yeah, don't move the slides, please. Please receive, receive, yeah, my beloved child, my beloved child, with you, I'm helpless.